Good morning from, from Miami Beach, Beit Safra. Good afternoon to those in Eretz Yisrael, those privileged to be in Eretz Yisrael and in other, other holy places. We're continuing the Shir and Chaim Oran. Today is a very special day for the Ashkenazim. We began Slichos today, the Moitzoi Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, because this year, next Moitzoi Shabbos is literally the era of Rosh Hashanah. So we start a week before, we start saying Slichos. And this is a, a major week of being focused, preparing for Rosh Hashanah. It's a Shem. We dedicate the learning, Lili Nishmas, Tuvia Bereb Yisrael Yitzchok, Yerachniel Daniel Ben Gedalia, and Rosa Bas Itamar. And we'll speak a little bit from Chaim Aran, and we'll see, maybe we'll say something also about the preparation for Rosh Hashanah. We're up to paragraph 197 in Chaim Aran, in the book Tzadik. Rav Nelson Zal says that Rav Zal said to me, that at this point he wishes he could he could remove from himself the burden of of being a leader, a manhig, a leader of Kval Yisrael. He wishes he could find a place where he could live alone without having to to bear the responsibilities of all of his students and everyone else. And he said that he thought that even had he never become a leader, he would have been able to attain what he did, everything he, he attained. So Rav Zal says, I said to the Rebbe that Moshe Rabbeinu also took on the role of being a leader in order to bring people close to Hashem. And, and sh so, so obviously it's a good thing to do, a right thing to do. However, Rabbeinazal said, but we know that Moshe Rabbeinu also had problems there. Even Moshe Rabbeinu was punished for attempting to bring the Erev Rav close to Hashem. It's interesting, the Zohar Kodesh makes a statement about Moshe Rabbeinu that Hashem said that I know that your desire was, if you could have, you would have wanted to bring the whole world close to Hashem. Because Moshe Rabbeinu understood better than anybody else the purpose of creation. The Zohar HaKadosh says the purpose of creation is begin in order that people should achieve recognition of Hashem. Why people? Why people specifically? Because everything else that Hashem created does not have free choice, does not have Bechira. Everything else is like robots. They don't have the option of rebelling against Hashem. They don't have a choice in the matter of, of accepting Hashem's authority or not. And therefore, as such, when they do the will of Hashem, it's nowhere near as special and as important to Hashem as when a human being who has free choice and chooses to accept, we choose to accept upon ourselves the authority of Hashem, that's really what's mamlech Hashem. That's really what declares Hashem as king. We know there's a famous quote, Ein melech you cannot have a king without a nation. The attribute of kingdom means kingdom rulership over others, rulership over others. 
And we find the, the Pesach says about Hashem and Tehillim, Hashem bashamayim heichen kisoi, Hashem prepared his throne up in heaven, umalchusoi bakoil mashola, and his kingdom rules over all, over all. Hashem is king over all, and to all the nations of the world, Hashem is king. There's a Pesach, melech al kol goyim Hashem. Hashem is king over all nations. And in fact, the Zohar HaKadosh says that a non-Jew, I believe it was a non-Jew that once challenged one of the rabbis, that you say your special chosen nation, nonsense. That your Torah says that Hashem is king over all nations. So he's king over you, he's king over us also. And the response that was given is that it's true that Hashem's attribute of kingdom applies to all nations. But to us, the Jewish people, Hashem adds a very important component. Hashem refers to us as his children. You are children to Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu says. And Hashem refers to us as Bini Bechoyri Yisrael, my firstborn child. And in that capacity of being subjects of a king, and in addition, children, a king cannot forego his kavod. A king cannot forgive someone who rebels against him. We find the Torah tells us that Shaul HaMelech was admonished and was punished because of the fact that at his coronation, there were people who didn't show the proper respect and Shaul HaMelech ignored it. And this was a mistake in a sense. As king, a king must stand up for his honor because again, it's Hashem who's putting him in that position. Whereas a parent, the Torah says, Av A parent has the ability and the, the right to forego his kavod. And this is why one of the most important prayers that we recite on fast days during Aseris Yemechuva, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Aseris Yemechuva is, Ovinu Malkeinu, Ovinu Malkeinu. Why are we saying that? Because we know that in addition to the fact that Hashem is king to all, all subjects, all of his subjects, to us, he's also a father. And in the capacity of a father, he can forgive us. He can show us that extra closeness. And again, when we, when, the Jew, when Hashem offered his Torah, the Torah is the expression of the will of Hashem. Every mitzvah in the Torah is an expression that, of what Hashem wants. Hashem wants us to put on tzitzis, to put on tefillin, to observe Shabbos, to observe Yontif. Hashem wants us not to speak Lashon Hara, not to eat non-kosher, etc. So the, the Torah is the book that defines the will of Hashem. Hashem offered the Torah to all other nations, and they rejected it. Hashem offered it to us, Klal Yisrael, and our response was Nasev Anishma, that we accepted it wholeheartedly. And as such, we are the ones who really crown Hashem. So now getting back to, to Rabbeinazal and, and back to Moshe Rabbeinu, this position of being a leader of Klal Yisrael is something very difficult and very dangerous. The Gemara says, have a soines horabonus, that that hora that leadership buries the one who attains it. 
and 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 Rabbeinazel was implying that there was a certain feeling inside of him of wanting to release relieve himself of all leadership duties and be able to devote himself to personal personal connection with Hashem without all that baggage. And Rabbeinazel went on to say that the most difficult thing of what a person has to do for Hashem is the part that's left to one's own free choice. The things that a person has to decide for themselves where the Torah does not command a person explicitly to do it, but rather it's entirely up to the person to do as he chooses. And this concept is related to Moshe Rabbeinu, where the, 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 the Gemara says, that when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to prepare the Jews to receive the Torah on Har Sinai, Hashem said that the preparation should be two days. But it was worded in such a way that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to, through by, by searching, searching into the words of Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to realize that in order to receive the Torah, the Jews really needed three days of preparation. And the, the Gemara says, He added one additional day based on his own initiative. Obviously, again, he found an allusion to this in the words of Hashem. And in fact, the Torah was not given until after three days. And Rabbi Nezal explained that in all aspects of serving Hashem, there's the mandatory, and there's that part that's left for the individual himself to decide without being clearly instructed by Hashem. And the person has to decide and choose for themselves, as Moshe Rabbeinu did when he added this additional day. And it's this area of free will that's where the main work and effort of a person lies. There's always room for doubt, in a sense, in terms of what Hashem really wants, since the person is not really given instructions about what to do. And Rabbi Nassau said that when it comes to things that Hashem has stated explicitly that a person should do this, Rabbi Nassau did not feel any effort at all whatsoever or any burden in doing it. No matter how much suffering might be involved, Rabbi Nezal knew what the suffering meant, and he would accept it easily if he knew without a doubt that this is what Hashem really wanted. If this is the, the will of Hashem, he could accept anything. No suffering or anything else would be the slightest burden for him. The main difficulty was in the part that was left for him to choose. There were times... When, when things he decided to do came very difficult and he suffered greatly and afterwards still wasn't sure if he was doing what Hashem really wanted. Rabbein Salir that when Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchos, this was also a case of something that he wasn't told by Hashem to do this. And yet we find the Torah says that Hashem said, Yashar Koychacha, congratulations for doing this. This was something that was a tremendous benefit. And there are many, many reasons given in the Torah, in the Meforshim, as to what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to accomplish when he broke the Luchais. Rav Nosan adds here that it seems pretty clear that Rabbeinu was experiencing doubts 
and, and couldn't decide what to do. He was wondering whether maybe he should disconnect himself from this burden of leadership, seeing that, that the, he wasn't accomplishing as much as he really wanted to. And Rabbi Nassau said, I've spoken about this in the past, that it takes a tremendous amount of time and energy to help a living person while the person still has free choice. Even if you try to help a tzaddik in this world to elevate him, to bring him to a higher level, Rabbi Nassau said, it's very difficult, much harder than helping and raising up thousands of neshamos of people who are not living, people who have passed away already, <laughs> souls of people who have committed many sins. Because in this world that we're living in now, people have free will, and that's why it's very hard to move them, to get them to change. <clears throat> because it requires, in a sense, stripping them of their freedom to, and, and convincing them to choose to do the right thing. Whereas a person who has already passed away they might have been the greatest Russia during their lifetime, but as soon as the person passes away, <clears throat> they're very flexible. They're, they're very willing to do whatever the tzaddik tells them to do, no matter how evil the person was during their lifetime. Whereas a living person, even a great tzaddik, as long as he's still in his physical body and has free will, it's very difficult to, to achieve anything with him, <clears throat> to, to change him from his present ways and bring him closer to the truth. It's interesting, Rav Nosenzal in Likutei Alochois, in Hilchas Tfilas Arvis, <clears throat> where he speaks about davening Mayrev, Rav Nosenzal reveals an incredible chiddish related to this discussion. We know the Gemara tells us that the first two prayers, Shachris and Arvis, are mandatory. I, I'm sorry, Shachris and Mincha are mandatory. Everyone agrees with that. And one of the reasons for those first two prayers is corresponding to the Korban Tomid that was brought in the morning, the opening sacrifice that was brought in the Beis HaMikdash, and the Korban Tomid of the afternoon, which was the closing sacrifice that was brought in the Beis HaMikdash. Corresponding to that, we have the tefillahs of Shachris and Mincha, which are mandatory. Everyone agrees. Regarding the tefillahs Arvis, the tefillah of Mayrev, there's a debate in the Gemara. There are some that say that the tefillah of Mayrev is mandatory, and there are those that say that the tefillah of Mayrev is rishus. It's optional. And this is a discussion in the Gemara, in, in Brachas, towards the beginning, <clears throat> major discussion, debate, there's a whole story with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi and Rabbi Yehoshua and Rabbi Gamliel who had conflicting opinions on this. Very interesting story. We've had this in our shurim in the past. Now, Rabbi Nassim Zalgiz, now, it, what does the tefillahs Arvis correspond to in terms of what took place in the Beis HaMikdash? The answer is the burning of the fats of the korbanos, the special chalev, and emurim, certain inner parts of the animals, which were burned on the Mizbeach overnight, during nighttime specifically. The tefillah of Mayrev corresponds to that. But Rav Nosenzal gives us an extraordinary insight regarding this. 
we know that these three prayers were initiated by Avraham, Yitzchok, and Yaakov. The Gemara tells us Avraham Avinu is the one who initiated the tefillah of Shachris. <clears throat> the Pesach says, Vayashkem Avraham Baboiker. Avraham Avinu got up in the morning and he went to the place, Asher Omad Shom, the place that he had stood previously. And the Gemara says, Ein Amida El This term standing refers to prayer, the tefillah of Shmon Esrei, which is said standing up. And again, one of the verbs that we use for tefillah is amida. By the Sfardim, the term amida means the Shmon Esrei. By Yitzchok Avinu, the Torah tells us, Vayetze Yitzchok losuach basode le'es erev. Yitzchok Avinu went out to speak in the field towards evening, <clears throat> towards evening. And this refers to Mincha, the prayer, the afternoon prayer, which Yitzchok Avinu initiated. When it comes to Mairev, the Tefillah of Arvis, <clears throat> we're told that this, come, this was initiated by Yaakov Avinu. In the beginning of Parshas Vayetze, it says, Vayetze Yaakov Sheva, He left Be'er Sheva, he went to Choron to go find his Zivug. And it says, Vayifka Bamokoim, he suddenly arrived at the location, at the site, the site where the Beis HaMikdash would eventually be built, Vayolen Shom, he spent the night there, Kivo HaShemesh, because the sun had suddenly set. Hashem made the sun set suddenly in order for Yaakov Avinu to have this special dream where he saw a ladder going up to heaven, angels going up and down. But the Gemara points out, Vayifga Bamokoim, he suddenly arrived at the place the Gemara says, Ein pegia The term pegia refers to prayer. And the Gemara shows proof to this, that this refers to the tefillas arvis, the tefillah, the evening prayer, which Yaakov Avinu initiated. Just a side note, the three verbs that are used here, sicha, pegia, amida, Shin, Pei, Ayin, spell the word Shefa. Shefa means sustenance, bounty. Shefa is a term, a, a, an umbrella term used to all the goodness, the flow of goodness coming from Hashem to us. And the Shefa comes through Tefillah, through Sicha, Pegia, Amida. But now, Rav Nosenzal says, we know that Yaakov Avinu represents Emes. Avram Avinu is the Ish Chesed. Avram Avinu is known for his Hachnos Asorchim, his incredible kindness, opening his house in all, from all four directions to invite people, to welcome people to come in. Avram Avinu is known for the Midas HaChesed. Yitzchok Avinu is called Pachad Yitzchok, fear, willingness to die for Hashem, to be a human sacrifice on the altar for Hashem. Yitzchok Avinu is Gevura, <coughs> And Yaakov Avinu is Emes, Titain Emes Liakov. So Rav Sal asks, if Yaakov Avinu is Emes, does that imply that Avram and Yitzchak are not Emes? Has Vashom, they're Sheker? Not at all, not at all. They are also Emes, but in Emes, there are levels. There are levels and levels. There's Emes, there's Emes Laamitoi, the highest level of Emes. And Yaakov Avinu represents the highest level of Emes. So Rav Nosenzal explains, the Tfilas Arvis, which is the Tfil of Yaakov Avinu, 
which represents the highest level of emes, that tefillah, according to some opinions, is optional, is rishus. Meaning that a Jew who wants to come close to Hashem, a Jew who wants to fulfill their obligations towards Hashem, there are many Jews who are looking for what's the minimum that I need to do in order to fulfill my obligations to Hashem. In Hebrew or Yiddish, we say they want to be yoytze. Ervil yoytzezayim. He wants to be yoytze. He wants to fulfill the requirement, the obligation. Not looking for extra credit. Not looking. Want to fulfill my that. That alone is difficult enough. I'm not looking for extras, extra things. So we're being shown here <clears throat> that ordinary MS is the fulfilling one's obligations. That's represented by Shachris and Mincha. Yaakov Avinu, who is Titain Emes Liakov, which represents the highest level of Emes, there it's optional. It's not mandatory. A person doesn't have to. It doesn't, doesn't say clearly in the Torah to do this. But if a person, those people who are really seeking the not, not just to, to fulfill their obligations, not to do the minimum, but rather to do the maximum, to get as close to Hashem as I possibly can, those people are those people want the tefillas arvis. When are we play, when are we praying arvis? At night, when it's dark. <clears throat> when it's dark, when it's darkest. That's when we have this tefillas arvis, which which is rishus, which is optional. And Rav Nosanzal associates this with hispoiridus, personal prayer. There are people who, when they're told that, that Rav Nosanzal stressed hispoiridus is this is the most important form of prayer. This is what brings a person closest to Hashem. Where does it say? Is this one of the 613 mitzvahs? It's not. So I don't have to making up new things. And they don't realize that this item, which seems optional, in the, although, in fact, we see throughout the Torah, this is what everyone did. This is what all the tzaddikim did. This is that highest level of emes. This is the highest level of truth where Hashem leaves it to a person's bechira. The Torah doesn't show you in an obvious way that this is mandatory. This, is, this corresponds to that tefillas arvis, which corresponds to Yaakov Avinu, which is the highest level of emes, which is optional optional. It's, it's up to the person. And those people who aren't really seeking the closest relationship to Hashem, those people say, I, 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 it's good enough for me, I daven three times a day. That's what it says in the halacha. It doesn't say anywhere that I have to. Although, in fact, the Rambam, in, which is the foundation of the Shulchan Aruch, the Rambam writes in Hilchas Tefillah, that a person should not think that they're satisfying their requirements for prayer by just praying the standard tefillahs. The Rambam says, depending on what's going on in a person's life at a particular time, they must include in their prayers in, in communicating with Hashem, speaking to Hashem about what's going on at that moment. Now we're a week before Rosh Hashanah. There's all kinds of preparations that are needed to prepare for Rosh Hashanah. The women need to prepare the special foods for Rosh Hashanah, the special clothing. There's a mitzvah of, of buying clothing for Yantif, food for Yantif, all the preparations that the women need to do. The men and, and the women need to prepare for tshuva, judgment day. These 10 days of tshuva from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur 
all kinds of preparation. Supposed, person supposed to try to look over the prayers of Rosh Hashanah, which are not prayers that we say every day. So even those people who are familiar with the standard prayers throughout the year, but the machzor of Rosh Hashanah, the Rosh Hashanah prayers are something different. Person is supposed to allocate time to look over those prayers, to review the laws. The Gemara says 30 days before a holiday, we're supposed to re review the laws of the holiday, even if we're familiar with it. So here there is this preparation of a person speaking to Hashem in the days before Rosh Hashanah to be to have a good Rosh Hashanah, to be able to have a, a wonderful yantif with all the all the ruchnius, the spirituality and the gashmius, all the materialistic needs of the holiday, all the spiritual needs of the holiday, to include that. And this item of hispoidus for those who again are looking for the minimum, they're, they're going by the halacha. And, and where does it say? Those people will not necessarily see the significance, the value of this. But for those people who are looking to come close to Hashem, to really come close to Hashem, we don't want to be Yoitze. Rav Nosenzal once made a comment that those people who want to be Yoitze, they become a Yoitze Menadas. In Hebrew, Yoitze Menadas means a person who loses their mind. They lose their mind. They go crazy that a Jew should not be looking for the minimum. When it comes to closeness to Hashem, the Baal Shem Tov says, When it comes to Shemayim, when it comes to heavenliness, Mimal, always look above you. If there's someone that's more religious, that's doing more than me in religion, then I, I want to be like them. I want to grow. When it comes to earthliness, when it comes to Gashmius, materialism, Mitochas, look below you. If there's someone that has less than me, then I have to be very satisfied. I don't have to feel obligated that I need a better car, a better house, better food. When it comes to Gashmias, if I see that there are people that have less than me, then I can be very satisfied. I can be very happy. I don't have to be driven madly for more and more, high, better quality, higher quality. When it comes to Ruchmias, I am looking for more. We should be zeche, to aspire to this on Rosh Hashanah. One of the terms that we include in our in our tefillah in Rosh Hashanah, it, it says in the bracha in the Shmon Esrei, Udvarcho emes vekayam laad. There is an emphasis on emes in the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah. And again, we we are aspiring for this emes, this highest level emes, not just doing the minimum that we have to do to get by, but to aspire for the the real truth, which, which is the, the guidance that we're given by the tzaddik, Rabbeinu Salah teaches us, Rosh Hashanah, a person can go to any shul, can daven in any shul. Rabbeinu Salah said, come to me for Rosh Hashanah. Come to me, come to the tzaddik for Rosh Hashanah, because that, that's, again, that's this emes la'amitoi. That's a much, much higher level. A person is fulfilling the requirement, davening with a minion. But the Torah does say, that the more people that gather together and join together in the tefillahs of Rosh Hashanah, the more effective it is, the more powerful it is. And the Gemara does say that on Rosh Hashanah, the tzaddikim, are signed and sealed on Rosh Hashanah. So it's a very important opportunity to want to be with the tzaddik. If I'm with the tzaddik, I'm going, I'm going with him. Where he goes, I go. That kind of concept. We should be zeicher. I, I, I need to 
go on to something else now. We're cutting the shear a little bit shorter, but wishing everybody to be zuchah to close the month of Elul with with tshuva, with simcha, with tefillah, with Torah, with all to be zuchah that the year should close on a very good note, on a very happy note for all of us. We finished yesterday on Shabbos. We read the toichacha, <coughs> which is where Hashem expresses all the terrible things that'll happen if we don't comply with the will of Hashem. And the Gemara says, we read this towards the end of the year to show, let, let the year, let all the curses and suffering end because we're at the end of the year. They should come to an end and the new year should be filled with bracha and atzlacha. Just like when it comes to Shabbos and Yantif, we don't start at, we add a little bit of Friday to Shabbos. We add a little bit of Sunday. So we hope that even now there's still a few days of the, of Elul left, that these days should be filled with bracha, hatzlacha, simcha, yamalei Hashem kol mishalei slebeno letoiva. Hashem should fulfill all the good things that we want for ourselves. Hashem should grant us with simcha, ushbizecha, techaim toivim, a good life, chaim aruchim, all the good things. Next Sunday is Erev Rosh Hashanah. We will not have it this year next Sunday. The Shurim and Likuti Alachas, I hope, will will not take place next Sunday, but before and after, I hope we'll keep it up even from Oman. Shem should help that all of our tefillahs everywhere in the world should be received by Hashem with, with rotzain goodwill. Bezerchet to the Gula Shleimah b'mher Amen v'amein. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Reb Nassim.